The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen. Daf Pebet. Today's daf is being studied the Adun Shmat of Raham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen. We begin the Mishnah. Atinokot El Me'anin Otan Beyom Akipurim. Tinokot are minors. So the Mishnah says, "En ma'anin otan." She says, "En hayavin nimnoa mehen ma'achal." We are not commanded to refrain from them from eating, which means, like we learned on the previous daf, that since the development of children is dependent on ma'achalu mishteh, like the Gemara's language was, "Hainu debutayu." That's their development. So therefore, the Mishnah says we do not refrain from them ma'achal. Aval mehanechin otan lefne shana velefne shenatayim b'shvil shiyu regilim b'mitzvot. However, there is a mitzvah of hinuch. Hinuch meaning to train them before they become of age, meaning gedolim. So somewhat before the time that they become. Gedolim and they're obligated from the Torah to fast, so we have to give them a certain measure of hinuch. <clears throat> so that she now is going to explain to us what does it mean in the Mishnah lifne shana lifne shenatayim, and what exactly is this hinuch? How does it manifest itself? So that she says mehanechin otan leshaot. So our Mishnah according to that she is only discussing a hinuch for shaot, meaning a fast of hours. For example, let's say a child normally eats his breakfast at 8 o'clock every day in the morning. So on Kippur they would push it up, let's say, an hour. So he eat his breakfast at 9 o'clock. Meaning it's a sha'ot. We're training him just to fast an hour or two extra. Oh, so now that she explains to us that the year that we're talking about here is a year before Samukh Pirkan. Well, let's define terminologies. Pirkan, that she says, I continue, Havi ben shelosh is when a girl is 13, which means when she enters her 13th year, which is 12, and 14 for a male, which means when he enters the 14th year, which means when he's 13. Now why is that? Because the maturity of a girl is that at 12 years old she brings the signs. Which is the 13th year. 
And that's her time for punishment. That's what she becomes obligated in the mitzvot. Twelve. And a boy. Right? At thirteen and a day. Once he enters his fourteenth year, then already he begins his obligation in mitzvot, and he's subjugated, he's subject, I should say, to punishment. Now, in his 13th year, which means from 12 and a day on, that's called samuch lepirko. It's a year before his gadlut. Vishnat yudbet, hishana lefneshana samuchal lepirko. And his 12th year, which is when he's 11 years old, that's a shana, the year that's close to the year that's samuch lepirko. So let's just redefine. 13 years old, that's his perik. That's his time, he's a gadol. 12 years old, that's samuch lepirko. 11 years old is the year that is samuch lepirko. The year that is samuch to the year that is samuch lepirko. And therefore, at 13 years old, of course he has to fast. There's no she'elah. Our Mishnah is not discussing what he has to do at 12 years old, but it's telling us that at 11, already he has to make what's called Ta'anit Sha'ot. That's the first deen of the Mishnah. Next Rashi, or lifne shte shanim, or before two years. Shu lifne shte shanim samuk lepirko. Again, same concept. Two years before the year that samuk lepirko. So it's always two years before 12. So that would be the age of 10. Which ultimately is three years before he becomes uh, a gadol. That's going to be the first Gemara's question. That if you told me that, for example, at 11 years old, which is uh, two years before, two years before... Uh, uh, if at, I'm sorry, if at 10 years old, which is 3 years before he becomes a bar mitzvah, we'll say, at 13, he has to start fasting, shahot, so the also at 11. Remember, he's starting a year before, he's starting at 10, so that's going to be the Gemara's first question. So let's review quickly this Mishnah outside. Our discussion over here is that children do not have to fast, the children, the parents can allow them to eat. However, there is a concept of starting to mechanech them in tarit shahot, we'll call it, and this starts... Uh, certainly when they become uh, close to their pedic, meaning the year before uh, their uh, gadlut, meaning at tw- 12 years old for a boy and 11, y- and 11 years old for a girl. But Al Mishnah discusses the years even before that, meaning for a boy already at the ages of 11 and 10, and for a girl already at the late ages 10 and 9, already from the Mishnah, there's a deen of Hinuch. Tarat Gemara says, Hashta b'fnesh ta'yim mechanchin lehu, b'fnesh shanam ibaya. Once already you're telling me, b'fnesh ta'yim, which we reinterpret it means three years before they become gedolim, so them also, b'fnesh shanah. Which means, you don't have to tell me that, but that would mean two years before they become Gedolim. As we explained, if you're telling me a boy, for example, at 10, already he has to start um, uh, fasting, Sha'od, certainly at 11, that would be example, partial fast, Tani Sha'od. 
says the Gemara, answers Amar Avchista Lakasha. No question, we can explain the Mishnah. Ha bechone, ha bebari. The Mishnah actually is talking about two different types of ketanim. We're talking about healthy, which is a strong katan. So the strong katan, he already has to start the chinuch process earlier. He'll start already three years before he becomes a gadol. Meaning he'll already start at the age of ten. Whereas you have a chole, so he already, he has a year off because he's weak. So the chinuch starts with him, tani short at the age of eleven. So when you go back to the Mishnah and say, Lefnesh Shanav, Lefnesh Natayim, it's really talking about two different ketanim. Lefnesh Shanav is talking about a chole, so he only has to go two years before his bar mitzvah, which would take you to eleven. And Lefnesh Natayim is talking about a bari, so he has to go three years back when he starts at <coughs> ten. So that's the way that Chazdah learns the Mishnah. So just for the sake of clarity, when we read our Mishnah according to Chazdah, we read like this, Atinokot en ma'anin otan b'yom kipurim, aval, b'hanechin otam lifnesh shana. When we say lifnesh shana, it's a year before the year samuch lepirkan. So always know, the year samuch lepirkan is the year before they become gedolim. Let's take it by a boy. A boy becomes a gedol at 13, so the samuch year is... 12. So when the Mishnah says Lifnesh Shana, it's a year before 12, which is 11. Lifnesh Natayim, again, two years before Samuch. So that would be 10. So that's a key to the Mishnah. The key to the Mishnah is the Lifnesh over here. Our starting point is the year of Samuch. And then we either move one year back, that would be for a Choleh, or two years back for a Bari. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar Ben Het u Ben Tet Mechanchin Oto Lishaot Ben Yud u Ben Yud Aleph Mashlimin Midrabanan Ben Yud Bet Mashlimin Midoraita Betinoket. So Ravunak gives us the law of a Tinoket, of a girl. So he starts off at eight or nine years old, already the Hinuch begins for Tarani Chaot. At 10 and 11 years old begins fasting a full day, mashlimin, but only midrabanan. At 12, now already begins the law of fasting, midoraita. Now that she explains what is these 8 and 9 and 10 and 11, exactly who we talking about. So that she, amaravuna, ben shmona lebari, she'avra shemona, meaning a healthy girl, Already once she's eight years old, the nechneset letesha and she enters her ninth year. Ubetinoke, we're talking about a girl. Kedemesayim milte davishnat tesha. When she's eight years old, it is indeed arba shanim nefne perka. It is four years before she becomes a gedola. Ubentesha, when it says nine years old, lechola. It's talking about a girl that is weak. Meaning she started, she's nine years old. She's entering her tenth year. So the first law of Rav Huna is what? By a girl, if she's healthy, she starts Tani Shahot at eight. If she's Hola, she starts Tani Shahot at nine. Next Rashi. Ben Eser, Libriah. 
A ten-year-old girl who's healthy, she's starting her eleventh year, or if she's sick, then already at eleven, which means the law of fasting a full day also depends on the health of the child. If the child is uh, healthy, so then already she has to start fasting with Rabbanan at 10. However, if she's not healthy, so then she starts fasting full day at 11. So that's the Deen 10 and 11. Also depends on the health factor. Ben Yudbet, but once she's 12, as she continues, meaning she's entering her 13th year, Mashlimi Medeoraita, then she has to fast Medeoraita, she perkan, betinoketa biri'ah, at 12 years old, there is no chilik between healthy or weak. Everybody is equal. So that's the law of Rav Huna. Rav Nachman, we go back to the Gemara. Rav Nachman says, Ben Tet, Ben Yud, Mechanchin, Otan, Meshaot. Ben Yud Aleph, Ben Yud Bet, Mashlimin, Midrabbanan. Ben Yud Gimal, Mashlimin, Midoraita, Betinok. Whereas Rav Hunad discussed the law of a Tinoket, Rav Nachman discusses the law of a Tinok. So there is no argument over here, we're just explaining the Tinok law. And we discuss it now. Ben Tet Ben Yud, which means that if the child is healthy, the boy, so he starts his tiny child at 9. If he's weak, so he starts his tiny child at 10. So ben ted ben yud, depending on bari or chole. And then you have the next part of his statement. Ben yud alef, ben yud bet. You have a ta'anit, full ta'anit with Rabbanan. That also depends. If he's healthy, so already he starts it at 11. If he's not healthy, he starts it at 12. But once already becomes 13, then already midoraita, he has to fast whether he is healthy or not. Let's read Rashi. He's not arguing Rashi. He says, <laughs> Now we go to the third Shita. First, Rabbi Yohanan argues and says, There is no such thing as fasting a full day with Rabbanan. Meaning, it doesn't exist according to Rabbi Yohanan. The only type of Chinuch in his book is. There is no fasting a full day. So therefore he learns these cha'ot like this. He learns the years like this, I should say. Ben Yud, Ben Yud Aleph, Mechanchin Oto Lesha'ot, Ben Yud Bet, Mashlimin B'deoraita. Which means, let's say by a Tinoket. 10 and 11, you already have Kinuch of Sha'ot. Once you get to 12, already you have to fast, midoraita. And by a boy, it would be 11 and 12, Sha'ot, and 13 you go, midoraita. So that's the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. Now the Gemara comes and asks the question. Tanan, we learn in our Mishnah. Hatinokot en me'anin otam biyom kipurim. Like we learned and said in our Mishnah that what the Tinokot, the children, you know, force them to fast, meaning you could feed them on Yom Kippur. Aval, mechanechin otan lifne shana velifne shtayim. But as we learned in the Mishnah, we have to begin the chinuch 
Meaning, the way we learned the Chinuch of Sha'ot, you have to start it either one year before the year of Samuch, or two years before the year of Samuch. We can explain those words of the Mishnah going to Ravuna of Nachman. Lifne Shana Lidivrein, the Lifne Shnataim Lidivre Torah. That's the way the Hagotah Bach amends the text, which means like this. According to <coughs> Ravuna and Rav Nachman, our Mishnah can be read the following. When it says Lifne Shana, we could say like this. Our starting point is, let's say by a girl, 12 years old, she's a Gedola, 11 year old, she's already Samuch. <coughs> and at that point, already the law is, she has to fast Midrabanan, full day. So from that point we're saying Lifne Shana, a Shana before that time, which is a Shana before that would be ten. So the Gemara continues Tenan. We learned in our Mishnah. That we do not cause them to fast on Yom Kippur. Let them eat. Aval mehanqin otan lifne shana velifne. Shetayim, that we start the Hainuch one year or two years before. Now, let's read Rashi first in the Tenan. Tenan, Mehanchin Oto Lishaot Lifne Shana. What does it mean when we said in the Mishnah that we Mehanek the children one year before? Which one year really means two years. Which means, uh, we're not counting the year of Samuch. It's one year before Samuch. So it's actually two years before they become Gedolim. For example, if by the girl, she becomes a Gedola at 12. So Lifne Shana means at 10. She's 11 is Samuch. And a year before Samuch would be 10. The Lifne Shtaim. And when the Mishnah says Lifne Shtaim, Ta'inu Shalosh. So that would be nine, which means three years before she becomes a Gedola. So if that's the case, the Gemara she continues. Pesh tamal Rav Nachman ul Ravuna the Amri Ika Shlama Midrabanan that they hold as a concept of Ashlamat Rabanan that Midrabanan. The child has to fast the whole day. Kid the Kama, like we said, Afalgav Dilididu. Even though, according to them, Havi Hinucha Bari Arbashanim. Even though, let's say, by a healthy child, the Hinucha is four years. Meaning, by the girl, it starts at eight, we said the Hinucha. And by the boy, it starts at nine. Matsi Literutsele Matnitin Kula Behone. We could learn the entire Mishnah is talking about a. It's talking about a uh, a sick child, meaning a weak child. I read the Mishnah like this. We start giving them Chinuch in a partial fast. Two years before the time of Hashlamah. 
Which means if Hashlama is at 11 for a girl, so two years before that, it'll be at 9. Shehem Shalosh Tifnei Hashlama Didevrei Torah, which is three years before the Hashlama fasting of the Torah. Kedekamar Avuna, Deshana Asirit, meaning when the girl is 9 years old, Mechanchin et Atinokot HaChola Lesha'ot, Shei Lifnei Shana Semucha Leperek, which means in which means when the girl is eleven, that's already when she has So two years before that, that's when she starts her Ta'anit Sha'ot. Which Rashi means over here when he says at the end. Meaning that age of nine is also the same, uh, what the Mishnah means I should say when it says How? Because the Perek let's say for a girl is 12. The Samuch is 11. So two years before 11, the Samuch Leperek would be 9. So therefore, that year 9, the way the Mishnah says it, according to Rav Huna and according to Rav Nachman, is as follows. Just a recap. The Mishnah says, Lifnesh Shana Lifnesh Natayim. Meaning, we're talking about over here all Cholim. All the Mishnah is talking about over here is a child that is weak. And therefore, the Chinuch starts a year later because of the weakness. Now, According to Ravuna, it starts for a girl, let's say, at the age of nine. And that's what the Mishnah means, Lifnesh Shana. It's a year before the Samuch of Dibrahim. Hashlamad Dibrahim. Because with Rabbanan, there is a full day fast at 11. The Samuch of that is 10. So a year before the Samuch of Hashlamad is nine. So that's what means Lifnesh Shana. And Lifnesh Natayim means when you're calculating from the Deoraita time, meaning from 12, which is Hayevet Minat Torah, so the Simucha would be 11, and two years before that, before the Simucha of Pirka would be 9. So the Mishnah is really saying the same Shi'ur. It's one case. It's saying that she has to start fasting Ta'anit Sha'ot at 9, which is. Two years before uh, the uh, Samuch of the Drabanan, which is, and two years before the Deoraita, which means when it says Lifnes Shana, it means 9 to 11 is two years to that, and it's three years before the Deoraita. The Gemara continues, Elal Rabbi Yohanan Kasha. But according to Rabbi Yohanan, we have a difficulty in explaining our Mishnah. Why? Let's read Rashi. Ela Rabbi Yohanan Kasha. Ledideh, according to him, lo mituk mamatnitin klal. There is no way to establish our Mishnah. Damrinan, because we said, Hashlama midrabbanan leka. According to Rabbi Yohanan, there is no concept of Hashlama midrabbanan. The tema that we would be able to say matnitin hadaketani that we could say our Mishnah is talking, let's say by chole kedeokimna alibad ravunav rav nachman, which means if he would have held that there's a hashlama midrabanan, so then you can explain his years from hashlama and from the hashlama midrabanan and from the hashlama deoraita, like we explained it in ravuna, but he doesn't know this hashlama. 
Furthermore, Furthermore, you don't have an option to explain according to Rabbi Yochanan to split the Mishnah, meaning talking about Chole and talking about Bari. Why? If you remember, according to the way that Hazda understood the Mishnah, Really, a bari has to start three years before he becomes a gadol, and two years when it's a chole. So therefore, the numbers of Rav Chazda learning the Mishnah is three years before gadlut for bari, and two years before gadlut for chole. The Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Shtayim bari Bahat Lechole. But according to Rabbi Yochanan's numbers, if you remember his Braita, Rabbi Yochanan's statement was, Ben Yud, Ben Yud Aleph. Which means, 10 for a healthy, and 11 for a chole, which is either one or two years. So therefore the Mishnah cannot fit according to Rabbi Yochanan. So Tarat the Gemara says, Amalecha Rabbi Yochanan, Mai Shana O Shetayim, Samuk Lepirkan. Which means, don't learn like we learned in the Mishnah, Lifne Shana, which we interpreted it to mean, before the year of Samuk. No, learn it straight. Lifne Shana means a year before they become Gedolim, or Gedola. Which means, if it's 13 by a boy, so Lifne Shana is 12, and Lifnesh Natayim is 11. Finish. And therefore it's either one or two years. And that's the way he understands. So it comes out, we have over here, we can stop at this point. Comes over here, we have three different ways to interpret our Mishnah. How? The first way to interpret the Mishnah is the way of Hezda interpret the Mishnah. Ha ha Which means, when the Mishnah said, Lifne Shana, so we're interpreting it that it's the Shana before Samuch. Let's go by a, a girl just to plug in numbers. Samuch would be 11, so the Shana before Samuch would be 10, and Shnatayim would be, but by a healthy one, would be 9. So that's the interpretation of our Mishnah according to Rav Hazda. Half the Mishnah is talking about, part of the Mishnah is Bari, and part of it is Choleh. Whereas according to Rav Hunan, Rav Nachman, the whole Mishnah is being interpreted by Choleh. And therefore, the Shi'ur would be, nine years old starts Hinuch, which is Shana Achat, before Hashlamah Rabbanan, and Shnatayim before the Hashlamah Deoraita, the way we explained. And then you have the way Rabbi Yohanan understands the Mishnah. He says, no, there's no Samuch involved. When the Mishnah says, Don't read it, read it as if it says, Shana, and Shana, and therefore, it depends. If it's a body, so then it's Shnatayim. Meaning if the boy gets, becomes a Gadol at 13, so he starts his Hanuk at 11. Whereas if he's a Malay, he starts it at 12. So those are three different ways to interpret our Mishnah. Comes the Gemara and continues. Tashema, Detani Rabbar Shemuel. We have a bright on the name of Rabbar Shemuel. We do not afflict them on Yom Kippur, meaning they can have food. Aval Mehanechin Otan Shana Oshtaim Samuch Leperkan. 
but we have to make them chinuch, which we understand now means they have to have a ta'anit sha'ot, meaning partial fasting, either a year or two years before their pedic, meaning before they become gedolim. According to Rabbi Yohanan, it's very good, because he holds that the years of chinuch are either one or two years before the pedic. Meaning, one year for a chole, two years for a bari. So the b'raita is very good. But according to Rav Nachman, it's a kasha because they hold that <coughs> the chinuch for sha'ot can go back to three years. For example, by a ketana, by a girl, the chinuch for sha'ot starts at... Nine, for example, by Yehole, which is three years before she becomes a Gedola. And this Braita says, maximum is Shtayim, two years before. So therefore it's a question on Ravuna and Rav Nachman. So the rabbis can explain, my Chinuch, what does Chinuch mean? Named Dektani, when it states it, Hashlama. Which means we're not talking about in this Braita, when we said Chinuch meaning for Sha'ot, the chinuch over here means that we give them a chinuch that they have to fast the whole day. And therefore we read the b'raita like this, mehanchin otam, when do they have to follow the rabbinical law of fasting all day, which is the chinuch of hashlama, shana o shtayim, samuch leperkan, it's either one or two years before they become gedolim, for example by a girl, Either she starts fasting full day at 11, if she's a chola, and if she's biriah, she goes two years before, meaning at the age of 10. So therefore, they'll learn the word chinuch in that b'raita to refer to hashlama. And therefore, we're discussing that when does hashlama start, either one year before the pedic or two years before the pedic. Tanat Gebalah says, Do we refer, when we say the word chinuch, does that refer to hashlama? Uh, finishing the fast, meaning fasting a whole day. Tanya, we have a brayta. Is a chinuch? What is considered chinuch? Training the child. We normally ate, let's say, in the second hour of the day. So you feed him an hour later in the third hour. We normally eat in the third hour. You feed him in the fourth hour. So you see that chinuch is a reference to shaot. There are two types of chinuch. There's chinuch for shaot and there's chinuch of hashlaman. But I a reference to Chinuch of Hashlama. The Mishnah continues. Ubra, it's a pregnant lady. Shericha ma'achilin ota ad shetashiv nafsha. She smelt, let's say, food on Kippur. Okay? Now she has an urge, she has a craving. So the halakha says, ma'achilin ota, feed her. Ad shetashiv nafsha. Until she gets back or gains back her spirit. So that she right away says, That she learns a phenomenon over here. It's not the lady that's actually smelling, it's the baby that's inside that's causing the smell, that's smelling. And the baby has a craving. And if she doesn't eat, both of them are going to be put in mortal danger. Yeah. So therefore, the Mishnah says, which emanates from the child, until she gets her spirit back. A sick person on Kippur, you can't feed him according to experts. So that she says is referring to two expert doctors that come along and say that 
the patient has to eat. There's no expert doctors available. So then you could trust the guy himself that he's sick. Until he says, enough. Until he says, I'm good. Now, regarding this Mishnah over here, the Rishonim do point out that's Lav Dafka. Me'oberet. cases, you have a that smells uh, food on Kippur that has a craving. So someone has said that this is referring to any Adam, any person that smelled something on a Kippur and his face starts to give an indication that he's sick over having that food. Therefore, it's considered misukat. Therefore, you can feed him. Now, the only reason why he chose me, Obed, because that's a normal case. Usually ladies that are pregnant do have uh, cravings. However, Rabbeinu Manoach writes that something this is only talking about a Me'oberet. Because a Me'oberet puts herself in danger if she's smelling a food and she can't have it. But a regular guy that smells something on Yom Kippur, we don't feed him. What do we tell him? He should calm himself down. It's not going to cause any uh, danger. Now when the Mishnah says over here, Shehiriha, uh, that she smelt, so the Maharam Habib says over here, Dafka that she smelt, even if let's say she saw fruit. She didn't smell it, she saw it, and by the look of it, or even if she didn't see it, if in her mind she's thinking of such a food where she has a craving to it, also that's considered a desire, and therefore you can uh, give it to her as well. Now, comes the Gemara and says, Let's say the lady that was pregnant, she smelled either basar of a korban, basar kodesh, or basar hazir, or let's say uh, non-kosher meat. The first step is you take a kush, kush like a stick, and you just uh, dip it into the meat to get a little of the flavor on the stick and just put it on her lips. You don't want to start feeding her right away. You hope that the craving goes away with that. If her mind was settled, good. If that didn't work, means she starts the craving, you can actually give her the gravy of the meat itself. You don't have to put it on a stick. Give her the actual gravy itself. If her mind was settled, good. Then you can actually give her the meat itself. Because nothing stands in the way of uh, of life. And therefore, since she's in Sakana, she doesn't eat it. So therefore, of course, you uh, feed it to her. Now, the, before we get to the Chutz, the Mefarshim over here say, in our Mishnah, our Mishnah says you feed her, until she gets her, uh, till she's settled, until her spirit comes back. That was the language of the Mishnah. So the Me'iri writes over here that what the Mishnah really means is you have to go through this process. Because you don't right away feed her. First you have to try to talk her out of it, then you give her uh, 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 you know, the, the gravy on the stick, etc. Until you get to the, um, until you get to this uh, Shi'ud over here. Now, the Maram Habib says that really we have a question. Why did our Mishnah go straight to Ma'achilin Ota while the Braita in the Gemara goes through stages? It seems as we have a Mahlokan over here. So he says like this uh, based on uh, the Rambam. The Rambam writes in the laws of Yom Kippurim, he doesn't say you have to go in uh, stages. 
He just says, feed her right away. When does the Rambam talk about dipping it in the uh, stick and all that? Only when it comes to ma'achalot asurot. So Rambam makes a hiduk. When it comes to kosher food, so the only thing that's uh, the issue of is eating on Kippur, she has a craving, it's kosher food, give it her right away. The Mibraita, if, you, if you're careful, was talking about Basar, Kodesh and Hazir. When it comes to non-kosher food, on Yom Kippur we have an Isur, also don't eat. And then already we say do it in a slow uh, fashion. And that's the way the Bet Yosef understands. So then we can explain the Mishnah when it says, Ma'chilinota, meaning it's kosher food. Where according to the Brayta, it's talking about non-kosher food. And what's the logic of the Gemara? Because it's Nefesh. And nothing stands in the way of... Even to give her food on Kippur. Except Except if somebody says, to go worship Abu Dazara, we're going to kill you, you have to give up your life. That would be committing a sin of immorality. That would be if somebody tells you, go kill this person, we're going to kill you, you have to be willing to die. How do we know you have to be willing to give up your life? For Abu Dazara, because it says in the Brayta, if it says in the parasha, right, you have to be willing to serve God. You have to be willing to give up your life. With all your life, with all your spirit, all your soul. Why does it have to say, which is if you're giving up your life, why does it have to say, which is you have to serve God with all your money. Now, and if it says you have to give up your uh, serve God, with all your money, you have to be willing to give up all your money. Which means like this. Obviously, what are we talking? If the person's uh, life is more important to him, so therefore just you just have to write one of them. You just have to write, give up, uh, uh, you have to serve God with all your life, and automatically I know, with all your money. Now if the guy's money is more important to him, so then just write, you have to serve God with all your money, and automatically I know, with all your money, then certainly with all your life. So what does the person have to write both? Because there's two types of people. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy that is, his, his physical body is more uh, endearing to him than his money, that's what a pasuk has to say, even with all, not only your money, but even your even your body, even your life, you have to give up. But you have another guy that his money is more endearing to him than his actual life itself. That's why it says not only your nefesh, but you even have to be willing to give up your money. Money. That's what the point is. This is referring to what serving God. So you see over there, you have to give up your life for. Uh, the mitzvah of serving God, which would mean Abu Dazara, you have to be willing to die. An obvious question. It is impossible. How could you have a human being that his money is more dear to him than his life? Which means, what does that mean? He'd be willing to die before he gives up his money. So they go on is once he's dead, what's his money worth? So, so what does that mean? So they go on explains now. When it says over here, a person is willing to give up his, uh, his, his money is more dear than his life, meaning he's willing to endure hardship on his life to make money. Means he was willing to travel, he's willing to work long hours, he's willing to deprive himself from uh, all other pleasures because he wants to make money. Also, uh, once the Gaon explains this interpretation, that it's not about giving up your life for money, so what's the proof of the Gemara? 
The whole proof of the Gemara is trying to show that for Abu Dazza, you have to be willing to give up your life. Why? Because the Pasuk says, Bechol Nafshecha. Now, the Gaon's explaining Bechol Nafshecha means that you're willing to give up your uh, physical comfort for money, but not your physical life. So because of that, the Gaon of says, you have to change the Gersan, this Gemara, and add, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Afilu hu notelet nafshecha. Even if he takes your life, you have to be willing to serve God. So the proof of the Gemara is really not from this derasah of certain people like their life more than their money or their money more than their life. It's from the next part of the statement that our Gemara does not have. Rabbi Akiva says, even if God will take your life, you have to serve Him. From there you see clearly, you have to die and not worship Abu Dazara. Now I saw a beautiful explanation from the Hidushayarim on this Gemara. He says... I'll explain it to you. What does it mean that a guy likes his money more than his life? It's referring to a person that lends his money out with interest. Now he knows that every day that passes, passes, he gets more, he gets more money. Because, you know, they're incurring interest. So therefore this guy, he can't wait for the days to pass because it means more money to him. Therefore his life is cheap to him. Tell me, was, I wish it was 30 days already. I wish the, the day passes good. I'm happy the day passed already. Why? That's more money. That's what it means. His money is more important than his life. I mean, he doesn't endear his days that there's money. If that's the interpretation, then we can explain a little further. That a person that works by salary, that gets a paycheck, let's say, from month to month. So if you have a guy that can't wait till it's the first of the month, in order to get a paycheck, <laughs> this would also be somebody that uh, loves his money maybe more than his life. Because if you really love your life, you say, I, can't, I don't want it to be the first of the month. I want to enjoy this day over here. I want it to be 30 days from now. I'll be 30 days older. That's uh, 30, day, 30 days uh, gone. And therefore, one has to have this attitude that his days are more important than his uh, money. In any event, that's what the Sharim says. So I'm just extending it uh, according to this. It seems a person who anticipates when he gets paid also could be part of this. And anyway, that's where you see Abu Dazara. That you have to be willing to give up your life. Comes the Gemara and says, How do you know Gilu Arayot? So the Gemara says, Gilu Arayot, Vishlikut Amim Minalan. How do you know Gilu Arayot, Vishlikut Amim? Netanya. Rabbi Yomer. Rabbi says, Ki kashir yakum ish al re'ehu utsacho nafesh. Pasuk is talking about a na'ara me'orasa. That's a lady that she was mikudesha to a man, and somebody comes along, has v'shlom, and commits uh, an adulterous act, we'll call it, with a na'ara me'orasa. She's not fully married with nisu'in, she's me'orasa. She's just mikudeshet to a, a man. And somebody else comes and does such a thing. So the Torah says that that man is hayav, it's guilty. So the Torah compares that man to a murderer. The Pasuk says, Just like a guy that rises against his friend to kill him, This item, so to the Na'adam Urasa, is similar. So the Torah says, What do you mean? What are we comparing a murderer to a Na'ara HaMe'orasa When I the Torah comes out of its way to tell me you should know something This guy that uh, commits Ta'avon to Na'ara HaMe'orasa He's similar to a Rosayah What's the uh, analogy? I mean the Torah is telling us this analogy Ela hareze lamed You know what happened in this Pasuk over here? Hindush The Torah obviously wanted to tell me You could learn something from Rosayah 
and apply it to Nara Meorasa. But you know what happened? Rutsar was actually coming to teach us something. However, we ended up learning something from Naharam Urasa to Rutsayah. It was coming to teach and it ended up getting taught. How? So now we have to teach you two things now. What was it teaching and what did it get taught? So the Gemara says, Starting to tell us what we could learn from Naharam Urasa to Rutsayah. It's giving us the other way first. Right? What it was taught. Or what it received. Just like you see a man. He's about to commit the Avon with a Naram Uratsa. You could save that lady by killing the guy. He's about to commit the Avon. You see he's going to commit the Avon? You can kill him. A guy's coming to, to kill somebody. So in order to save his life, he can kill the Rotsayah. So that's the first thing you know. Just like you can save the perpetrator, before, I'm sorry, the victim. The Naharame Rotsayah before she gets victimized by killing the perpetrator, the potential perpetrator. So he can kill the Rotsayah before he actually commits his crime. Now, now we go the other way. Just like a Rotsayah. The Lord Yarek Bal Yavor, he should die before he transgresses. Meaning, if somebody comes to a person and says, Kill that guy, or we're killing you, he has to be willing to die and not transgress. So too, if somebody comes along and tells like, Man, you must go be with that Naharam Urasa, we're going to kill you. Which he really is telling him, Go commit Gidu Arayot. And what's the deen telling you? You have to be willing to die. So therefore, you know why the Torah juxtaposes Rotsayah next to Naharam Urasa? To tell me there's a connection. Just like Rotsayah is Yaharik Ba'al Yavor, don't kill, let yourself be killed. So too, let yourself be killed and not transgress Gilu Arayot of going with the Naharam Urasa. Now the bottom of Rashi over here tells us a... Actually, let's read the few Rashi's over here. Let's start with... Right? To the one that wants to save her. You can kill the guy. Kill the uh, potential uh, perpetrator. Before he commits it. The Pasuk says she was violated and nobody saved her. What can we imply from over there? Because if there was a savior, Yoshirena. Save her. In any way you can, even if it means killing the guy before he commits it. Let's say they tell a guy, Go kill your friend. Otherwise I'm going to kill you. Now, that applies to Naadam Urasa as well, the bottom nashi. Im yomru. Be'ol arusat habircha. Go have relations with your friends arusa. Or tihareg. Or we're going to kill you. Yareg be'al ya'avod. Now that's by the men. But now that she says a big hadush. What about the lady? Which means, what about if they tell the lady? The na'ram arusa. Be with this guy. Otherwise we're going to kill you. That she's going to tell you in that case, she should let herself commit ta'avira. Let herself be uh, violated and not give up her life. Oh, what do you mean? I thought we just said Yarek Ba'al Yavor. So that she says a big hadush. Abal he, ena mitsubalim surat nafsha. 
דהי אינה עושה כלום. Why? The Karka Olam Be'almahi. She's passive. Which means the lady in the act of Bi'ah, she's passive. She's considered Karka Olam. She's considered like the earth. The man is committing the uh, act of Ma'aseh. And therefore she doesn't have to give up her life. And what's the proof that she says? That I am Esther. Esther Amalka. How did Esther Amalka go with the Hasmerosh? Aren't you telling me she should have uh, been willing to give up her life? You know what? Instead, she was passive. And therefore, the woman does not have to give up her life. So now we learned Abu Dazaran, we learned also Gilui Arayot. So the Gemara says, Well, how do you know Rotseya? You assumed it. That just like if somebody comes and tells you to kill your friend, you have to be willing to die. What's the source for that? So the Gemara says, Sevarahi. It's common sense. There was a guy that came in front of Rabbah. He told Rabbah the following scenario. The mayor or the governor of my city, Mori, the mayor or the governor, Durai of where I dwell, told me, Go kill so-and-so. And if you don't kill so-and-so, we're going to kill you. Let him kill you, but don't kill. And what was the Sabbath I told them? What do you think? Your blood is redder? Maybe the blood of the other guy is redder. What does it mean? It means like this. Very important understanding of the Sabbath The Torah says, Torah says the mitzvot were given to live by them. Which means, it's more important to Bore Olam, human life, than the mitzvot. So if you have a scale, and something's going to have to give, the human life or the mitzvot, the Torah says, Vachai Bahim. But in this case over here, somebody over here is going to have to die. Either the guy that's told uh, to kill, he's going to have to give up his own life, or he's going to murder and he's going to have to kill somebody else. In this case over here, regardless is going to be a loss of life. So in a case of loss of life, so now you come along and say, well, let him die. Somebody inevitably is going to die regardless, so let it be that guy. To that the Sivara says, who said who said that your blood is redder than his blood? Which means, who says that your life is more important than his life? Which is in a case which is regarding you. So it's a choice of preserving your life or transgressing a mitzvah. Transgress the mitzvah and keep your life. Here, both things are happening. Here, the mitzvah is going to be transgressed because there's going to be a murder to take place over there. He's going to have to murder. Right? And regardless, there's going to be somebody that dies. So therefore... What are you going to say over here now? Let him die? What do you mean? Who says his, when we say, who says his blood is, who says your blood is redder? Meaning, who says your life is more important to God than that guy? And therefore you have to be willing to give up your life. So the way that she says it in Sanhedrin is very nice. I'm going to read the Hashan of Nashi in Sanhedrin. Here by killing your friend, you're going to have two things. Loss of life, avera. Plus a sin of Lotritzah. But if you let yourself die, 
You only have loss of life, but you don't have transgression of sin. And therefore, as she continues over there, the Chiyamarachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachmanalachm
But if she's smelling something, Yisun, you can't pacify and tell her, Maybe. wait till tonight. Because tonight, it's not going to be permissible either way. Therefore, we're not going to put her in danger. Maybe you can feed her right away. So the poskim want to make a haluk between basar kasher, because she can wait, or basar isu. Then he says, You're supposed to talk around it by saying, listen, Tonight, after Kippur, will make you a piece of meat similar to the one that you're craving. If she's willing to wait, fine. If not, of course, you can feed her right away. So that's the method of how we uh, try to talk a lady out of the craving on Yom Kippur.